this week, uh, Free Indeed. And uh, this series was really on my heart as a theme for our church, as I had been praying um, over, or really over what I wanted for our church, what, what God show, showed me was that he wanted our church to truly live free lives. Because the gospel, at its core, is all about freedom. He wants us to be free, and not just a little bit free, but free indeed. To have that life and life abundantly through that freedom that the gospel brings us. And so we started this series as the third week, and we're, we're looking at different aspects um, of freedom that the gospel brings. And so this week we're, we're talking about the freedom of really moving on from your past. Is it the past that binds you? You know, is it something um, in your past that maybe brings about shame or guilt? Or maybe it was something you did or something that was done to you. Maybe there's something in your past that is holding you back. You feel like it's, it's still there. It's this weight that you still feel. And part of the truth of the gospel is that you can move on from those things. And those things don't have to identify don't have to be about your identity. It doesn't have to identify you. You can instead be free and move on into a new identity that Christ has for you. And I'm really excited about this. Um, let me go ahead and, and pray, and we're going we're gonna to search the scriptures. Heavenly Father, um, well, would you send your spirit right now to all of us as we're, as we're sitting here, Lord? Would you open every heart? Would you... Would you work in us um, far beyond what my words can say, Lord? Um, your spirit can teach a message through your scriptures that goes so much further than anything that I can say, Lord. Would you, would you just bless this time? Would you fill this room with your presence? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I would argue that the entire Bible has stories of people moving on. The entire Bible, if you look at it, and you look at all the different stories throughout Scripture, you see people making mistakes or, or being sinned against, and then they have to move on, move forward, and keep going. And I think for a lot of us, there's, there's something that is holding us back. Maybe there's a memory or something like that, and, and you allow it to, to kind of creep back up. You allow it to, to make you feel ashamed or, or, or guilty or unqualified to move forward. And the message of the gospel was that no matter what is in your past, Christ has redeemed it. You have a new identity in him, and you can move on. You see it in scripture. Uh, Abraham had to move on after he, he lied about his wife, and um, he, he sinned multiple times. He ended up sleeping with his servant because he, he doubted God's promise to bring about a child, but he had to move on. And move forward. You see, you know, even Sarah, Abraham's wife, she had to move on after laughing at God. She, she was filled with doubt. And she laughed at God's promises, yet she moved on. And then later in Hebrews is, is talked about as a woman of faith. Her identity in the New Testament is that of a woman of faith, not a woman of doubt. Right? She moved on. She moved forward. She changed. She grew. You see, Moses committed murder. And he had to flee Egypt, and then God used him to free the Israelites nonetheless. He was able to move on. In Scripture, we see more and more of this. Even in the New Testament, Peter 
denied Christ three times and he, and he bailed and, and he ran and he was, he was afraid, he was ashamed and yet he was able to move on and lead the church after Christ's ascension into heaven. And he was leading thousands and thousands to Jesus. He moved on. He didn't let that past um, define him. Paul, right? We know Paul. Paul is one of the most amazing stories of moving on. Paul um, was breathing murderous threats, it says, against the Christians. He was imprisoning them. He was, he was hateful towards the church. And he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And from there... When he met Jesus, he moved on. Those, those past mistakes did not matter anymore. And we'll talk about Paul some more later in the sermon. But, but we see that throughout Scripture, we see all of these different people making mistakes and moving on. But we also see people in Scripture who were sinned against and still didn't let those things define them either. And I, and I think for some of you, maybe today, something was, was done against you and you've let that define you. Somebody else's sin against you has defined you or, or become a part of your identity. At least maybe you feel that way. You know, Joseph, he was this man of many dreams and his brothers didn't like some of his dreams and they, they tried to, to kill him and they, they changed their minds and ended up selling him into slavery. And he didn't let that define him. Instead, God used him for great things. We'll talk a bit more about Joseph as well. Or even Daniel. You read the story of Daniel when the Babylonians came in and they, and they destroyed the city and they took a lot of the young men as captives. And, and if you read you know, historically what, what it meant to be a eunuch, he, it means that Daniel was, was taken from his family at a very young age, maybe 14 years old, and castrated and brought in to serve the king. Because the king was threatened by any other man with uh, manliness. Um, <laughs> and so we see even Esther. Esther, you know, she's this orphan girl who's raised by her uncle. Ends up um, really being married to this very abusive, um, womanizing uh, king. And instead of choosing to be a victim, she ends up choosing to be a champion for Israel. The Bible is all about moving on either from your mistakes or the sins that, that harmed you. The Bible is all about moving on. And, and nothing more than, than the gospel. The gospel is the ultimate moving on for humanity. You see, we were all tainted by sin. We were all, you know, fallen in our sinful nature because of the fall of Adam. Each one of us is born into sin. And through the work of Christ, we're able to move on into a new identity. And that gets me really excited. So I want you to know, for each one of you here today, that Christ wants you to move on from that past thing. It does not have to define you. It does not have to be a part of your identity. Christ, through the power of the cross has redeemed all things, forgiven all things, is making all things good again. So you can move on. That is the message of the gospel. And I will have to say it again and again because I, I feel like sometimes we believe that the gospel is strong enough for like the small stuff, but not for the major things. Not for the things that haunt you at night. Not the things that when you think about them hurt let me tell you, the gospel is powerful enough for those things too. 
And if it wasn't, what kind of gospel would it be? Because gospel means good news. And it's good news for every person in every situation. It's redeeming for the worst of the worst. It's redeeming for the the most pain and the, the most sorrow. He can make all things new. He can bring all things about for good. Here's the thing, though. I have, I have three points today. My, my first point is that we can't skip the first step. You can't skip the first step. You ever, uh, like, go somewhere with someone, and there's, like, a flight of stairs? And there's something wrong with this person. I used to be this person when I was, like, young, and then I stopped doing this. And, like, you're taking one step at a time, and they decide to just show off and just, like, skip steps. And they're like up there twice as fast as you. You know those people? You ever walk with those people? So you're just doing like one step at a time and they're like doing lunges. They're like, hey, good for you walking, but I'm going to use this moment as an opportunity to do some CrossFit. And so I'm just going to make you look bad in this moment. You ever hang out with those people? You know, what's wrong with them? Always going double steps or um, you ever miscalculate how many steps were left? And you missed the last step thinking, thinking you were on the last step, but really there was two steps. And you're like, there's this very strange, you don't know if you're going to die or not. Your heart races a little bit. And you're like, whoa, what's going on? I, I, I missed the step. Um, it's really dangerous if you do that on a ladder. I have done that. I'm a painter. I missed a step. It's not great. Uh, we can't skip steps. I mean, sure you can if you want to do lunges, whatever. But you can't skip steps in God's plan in your life. He wants you to take one step at a time, and oftentimes, he only reveals one step at a time in your life. And more than anything else, you can't skip the first step in moving on in the gospel. The first step is reconciliation. And it's a very hard step. I feel like many people don't feel like they can move on from their past, and it's because they want to skip the first step. They're unwilling to take the first step. And there's two things. You, you, you may have to do one or the other or both to move on. And you're, and you're uh, moving on in freedom. The first is you have to forgive. If you have been seriously wronged, the Bible is clear that you must forgive. I'm going to you know, kind of go all the way back to the beginning of the year. We did the Lord's Prayer in January. One of the messages was, forgiven people forgive people. The gospel is so clear about that. In fact, in many places in scripture, it's made abundantly clear that you must forgive as a Christian. It's not even optional. You must forgive because if God forgave you, you must also forgive others. I feel like many people want to skip that step in the process of moving on. And the Bible makes it clear we can't skip that step. Mark eleven twenty five. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. The Bible is abundantly clear. It says it over and over again. You must forgive. Every time you're going to God in prayer, it says, forgive whoever you haven't forgiven. If something comes back up and you're like, I don't know if I've forgiven them. Now I feel like I haven't. Forgive them again. The Bible is really clear about this. The other thing is that you must also ask for forgiveness. If you have wronged people, you must ask for forgiveness. And you must attempt at reconciliation. You can only do your part. They may not want to reconcile. 
But you have to ask for forgiveness and try to reconcile. Matthew 5:23. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. The thing is, the gospel is all about reconciling us to God, us being forgiven of our sins and our trespasses. And part of that, the Bible is clear, is that if God forgives us and he works in us and he's redeeming us, we must forgive others. We must. And if we wrong others, we must go and ask for their forgiveness. I think sometimes people want to move on, and when they feel like they can't, it may be because of a lack of reconciliation or because they have an unforgiving heart towards a person or something that happened. We must forgive. My second point is that we have to forget the ruins. Forget the ruins. Isaiah 43 says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God wants us to move on. But part of that is forgetting the things of old leaving them behind, and focusing on the new things that God is doing in your life. I think one of the most dangerous things that Christians do is they reminisce about sin. They reminisce about the old things. I had a friend who had recovered from um, a heroin addiction and, and ended up going to Bible college and God was working his life in it huge way and we met an, another guy who had more recently than him just just uh, been on his path of of recovering from heroin but when they started talking about their past he was kind of reminiscing about the good times on heroin and afterwards my friend said to me he's like that guy is going to relapse because that's not how i remember it i don't remember it as a good thing I don't reminisce about it. You know, it was, it, was, it was enslaving. It was life ruining. And we have to realize that the things of old need to stay in the past. We need to move on. We can't reminisce about them. In fact, when we see the Israelites, uh, they were in the desert and they, they would start reminiscing about slavery in Egypt. That sounds ridiculous. They have freedom, though it's in a desert. They're going through a, a little bit of a rough season. But still, it wasn't slavery. It wasn't being beaten and, and, and having forced labor. But they start reminiscing about Egypt, how good it was in Egypt. And every time they do that, God just hates it. And every time it's followed by some sort of punishment because he's like, what is wrong with you? Don't reminisce about the old. I'm taking you to the new. Believers sometimes think about the old and reminisce about their sin. You can't, you can't do that. God wants to take you forward for a new work. Philippians 3.13, it says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, 
But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. The word here for forgetting isn't a literal forget. It carries the idea of neglecting what is old. Neglecting what is old and moving forward. Because we see Paul often shares his testimony. The things in his past that God saved him from. And he, he shares it as a story of victory, not a story of identity. So it's not a literal forgetting so much as it is a complete neglecting of. And instead straining toward the new things. Straining toward what God has for him. So Paul says, hey, hey, I forget what lies behind me. I neglect it. I abandon it. And I strain. That's like a word for all your might. I strain toward what lies ahead of me. We have to neglect the past. Joshua 6.26 We see that You know, Moses leads the people through the wilderness and Joshua gets to take them into the promised land. These are the freed people and they're finally in the promised land and they get there and it's occupied by a lot of very pagan, evil um, nations. And so in that process, they had to destroy many of these cities and one of them was, one of the main ones was Jericho. God, through this miraculous work with really no effort other than some walking around the city, God destroys Jericho's walls and they destroy the city. And then God says uh, that they can't go and rebuild it. Joshua laid an oath on them, 626, at that time saying, Cursed before the Lord be the man who rises up and rebuilds this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall he lay its foundation, and at the cost of his youngest son shall he set up its gates. Joshua's like, we cannot go and rebuild the ruins of the old. My point was that we need to forget the ruins. And I think that sometimes Christians, instead of forgetting the ruins, go back and rebuild them. And we do this in a number of ways. If it's, you know, a shame that you have that really you allow to define you instead of the cross defining you, instead of Jesus defining you, you're rebuilding the old. You're putting your identity in something that you did or something that happened to you. That's rebuilding the ruins. I think... For some, it's reminiscing or returning to those, those old sins. As the Bible says, you know, a dog returns to the vomit. And that's how we should view those things of old. It's how we should view the sins. So you, instead of leaving them and straining towards what lies ahead, we return and rebuild the ruins. But another way we do it is we look back on our past and we let it define us in good ways, too. We say, well, I have these accomplishments. Look at all the good things I've done. I I am this person. And and you, you take all of these things that you're proud of, and you put your identity still in the past. It's a monument of the past that you're allowing to, to, 
define you and you're finding your identity in rather than Jesus, rather than the identity that he's giving you. Paul, you know, though he had um, some pretty awful things he did, Paul, you know, he was of the right tribe. He went to the right school. He got as high up religiously and socially that he could possibly go. He was a leader of leaders. And he had so many reasons to brag. Yet he says, I consider all of those things rubbish in comparison to what I have in Christ. It's another way that we rebuild the ruins is we build them up as our identity. Look at the things I've done. Look at who I am. Aren't I great? Paul would say you need to forget those things. Do not allow those things to define you. Your identity is in Christ. Strain for what is ahead. Strain for for the gospel. Strain for the good things that he wants to do that are ahead of you. Don't take pride in your accomplishments. Instead, take pride that you're redeemed. Take pride that you're now a child of God. Saved by Christ. I think many of us have an identity crisis. My third point. You watch like pretty much any TV show. There will be a point where somebody's going into a witness protection program. Right? Somebody. Like, it, like every writer runs out of stuff. And it doesn't matter if it's a sitcom or a drama or what it is. There will be someone going into a witness protection program. Like, right? Like they're going to get a new identity and go somewhere else and, and have a whole new life. Or there's like a villain sometimes who like he gets caught and like he's got all these fake identities and ten thousand dollars in a safe and he makes his way and starts over and sometimes it's the good guy who does that he's also got the same safe with ten thousand dollars and a bunch of passports i want to know where you buy that safe like this safe that every person seems to have on on tv that has ten thousand dollars and like three passports right where do you buy those i couldn't find it on amazon but it's, it's in film, it's in TV, this story of changing your identity. Or another one that you see often is that somebody finds out that they were secretly royalty, right? Or there's some special person after all. Uh, and you see that all the time in film. And film often goes towards this identity crisis. But the thing is, and maybe why we're drawn to that and why that's in pretty much every TV show or a movie, is that we are all experiencing some identity crisis. Actually, the whole Bible is about some identity crisis. Because it begins with God creating man and creating him good. And creating all things good. God created man and woman in his own image. That's a pretty good identity. But sin messes that up. Sin came into the world through Adam and Eve's disobedience. And everybody's identity is now all messed up. There's a crisis of identity. Jesus comes and he he dies on a cross, taking the penalty of sin, being buried, and he rises again for newness of life, which he offers us all. And, And what's so amazing is that, you know, he gives us his righteousness. He gives us his identity as a child of God. He redeems us to what God wanted for us all along. 
the entire Bible is about an identity crisis. Why is it that so many Christians still live with this identity crisis? Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Is that literal? Was Paul literally on the same cross as Jesus? No, he wasn't. But Paul's identity was on that cross. I was crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'll be honest with you. I struggled with this verse until I was about 23 years old. I really struggled with it. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to Bible college. And if I'm being completely honest, I really never liked this verse. Because I liked me. <laughs> I wanted to have my own identity. Right? That's a very like early 20s high school thing to do. Right? Like, I'm going to make a man of myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do great things. Like... You have this kind of proud heart of look at how awesome I am. Look at all the amazing things I will do. So when Paul says, hey, you're dead. You died at that cross. And it's now Christ who lives in you. That's not an easy pill to swallow. Because if you've got pride in your heart. That idea of me dying, my entire identity dying at the cross and my identity now being in Christ and him alone is a bit difficult to wrap our minds around. Maybe, maybe you're more humble naturally than I am, you know, sure. But I really struggled with this verse and it took me some time. But I'll tell you now, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the entirety of scripture. One of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. Because I've realized that I'm not as awesome as I thought it was when I was 18. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've had to apologize and ask forgiveness plenty. <laughs> and you know what? Even at my best moments, I'm nothing compared to Jesus. Even at my very best, even when I work the hardest I still fall really short. So it's not just about my, my bad side, right? It's not just about my mistakes that I'm thankful for this verse. I'm thankful for this verse even at my best because I know my best still falls short. I know even at my best I tend toward, towards pride. I know even at my best I still might have the wrong um, intent at heart sometimes. I need Jesus for every part of my life. And so when I read this verse that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, I'm really thankful for that. And I hope that you would experience that too. Maybe some of you have. Maybe some of you are wrestling. I don't know. But, but listen, your identity is, is nothing compared to the identity that Christ has for you in him. It's so much better. He is so much better. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Man. There's a catch in that verse. Did you catch it? (laughs) There's a qualifier and a disqualifier in that verse. The word if. Notice it? If anyone is in Christ. If anyone is in Christ. You have to be in Christ to have the new identity. You have to be in Christ to be made a new creation. You have to be in Christ to move forward and to move on. And if you're not, it's not possible. It's only in Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That means truth is in him. The life is in him. He is the only way. There's a qualifier and disqualifier. And it's if anyone is in Christ. But that means that we get to be a new creation if we're in Christ. That we get to move on, move forward. That those past things do not have to define you. Whatever is in your past does not have to define you. I believe strongly that your past can become tales of victory rather than memories of identity. Let me say that again. Your past can become tales of victory rather than memories of identity. I think, I think there's probably many people in here who have memories that they feel Define them and make up their identity. And I want you to know that your past can instead be tales of victory. Let's talk about Joseph for a minute. Joseph, we we see this this guy who, to be fair on the brother's side, he's clearly his dad's favorite, right? Which that's not an easy thing. And uh, his dad made him this special coat. All right, not like a good uh, parenting lesson. <laughs> You're my favorite. You get a special coat. Um, well, that's what happened, and his brothers were very clear, clearly jealous. And then Joseph made things worse when he had this dream or vision that he's being basically all of his family was bowing down to him, and uh, all of his brothers were like. Would any of you bow before your sibling? <laughs> what if any, like, imagine your sibling walks up and goes, you've got to bow to me. Like, I'm sure I, you probably wouldn't try to kill that per- him, hopefully, right? But you might be tempted, <laughs> right? <laughs> no. But you might, like, you go, like, what is wrong with you? Like, who do you think you are? Okay, so that's, we're being a little bit fair with the brothers here, but... One day, they see their brother walking up out into this field, and all the brothers are like, let's kill him. And they're all like, yeah, let's kill him. Sounds like a really good idea. They're like, okay, here's a pit. We'll throw him in the pit. We'll take his coat. We'll put some animal's blood on it and tell dad that an animal got him. And then, you know, one of the brothers speaks up and says, 
How about instead we just sell them into slavery? Like, let's not kill them. Let's, let's slow down here. I don't want them in my life either, so let's just sell them into slavery. So they see this, this basically like caravan coming by, and then they sell him into slavery to these people. And he ends up as a servant in Egypt in a guy named uh, Potiphar's house. So he's been um, sold into slavery and betrayed by his family. And then he starts, it seems like he's doing well for himself. Now he's, he's becoming this, this servant, not just a slave, in this house. And then he's falsely accused of rape by the master's wife. And things get worse. I've been betrayed by my family. And now I've been called, um, uh, I've been accused of trying to rape the master's wife. He gets thrown into prison into a dungeon and then like there are these two guys in there who have these dreams and he interprets them and and uh, the dreams that he interpreted it was it was all correct and he says don't forget me and they forget him so he's been betrayed he's been falsely accused and he's been forgotten and he sits there in, in prison and i'm sure the temptation would be to find your identity as this betrayed falsely accused forgotten person but he he holds steadfast and he keeps his faith in God and over some time one of the guys finally does um, remember him as Pharaoh's having these dreams that are keeping him up at night and he goes I know this guy in the dungeon that I forgot about until just now I can interpret your dream Joseph does and basically the, to sum it up the dreams are about a famine that's coming on and Joseph interprets it and is able to lead the way in storing up food for this famine. And because of this, Joseph saves the Egyptians and many of the surrounding areas. And his brothers who live outside of the Egyptian area are in the middle of this famine and they have no food. So they come to Egypt because they hear that Egypt had stored up food. And so they come and they're requesting food. And Joseph kind of plays some games with them, right? Like, he deserves that. (laughs) Gets to play some games with them a little bit, play with their emotions, uh, toy with them a little. And then we get to this part here in Genesis 45, 1. It says, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him. When Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it, and Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother, Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you Many survivors. See how Joseph thinks about his past now? He 
doesn't see himself as a betrayed, falsely accused, and forgotten kid. He sees himself as someone who God used for something mighty. God used his turmoil, his pain, for great things, in fact, to save the remnant of Israel. To save the people of God. He uses the pain that Joseph went through, the betrayal he went through. God had his hand on all of it. Now, of course, his brothers didn't believe him. They're like, there's no possible way like, you're going you're gonna to forgive us. Like, and they were all afraid that after their dad died that like, Joseph was just going to kill them all. Because <laughs> like, they didn't believe that this forgiveness could be real. They didn't believe that it could be real. And so again, in Genesis 50, a little bit later, it says, As for you, he's speaking to them again because they like, didn't believe it. He says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. He doubles down on his forgiveness and his reconciliation. And it says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Joseph looked at his past as now these tales of victory, not memories of identity. He had his identity in his calling from God. He had his identity in God. Not in what happened to him. Those things became tales of victory. Rather than memories of identity. Joseph found his identity and his self-worth. Not in the past. But in God. And that changed his perspective on everything. And what a witness and a testimony to his brothers. I think that gave them freedom too. Because you have to know that that would have haunted them. As they got older. It it clearly did. It haunted them what they did. They sold their brother into slavery. I'm sure they watched their father mourn for a long time. I'm sure that guilt and that shame weighed so much on their heart. Weighed so heavy on their heart. And when Joseph forgives them, I'm sure that that example of it being a tale of victory rather than a story of identity was a blessing to them as well. So for, for all of us today, like, we have to know that the gospel allows you to move on. If you need to reconcile with someone, you need to reconcile with them. If you need to forgive someone today, you need to forgive someone today. If you've rebuilt the ruins of your past in one form or another, whether it's shame, guilt, or returning to, to, to old sins... Or whether it's some sort of pride where you're building up your past as this amazing thing. I want you to know that God, by the power of the gospel, wants you to move on. He has made it possible for you to move on. Now, I also want you guys to know that you don't have to have an identity crisis anymore. Christians should never live with an identity crisis. If you are in Christ, there's that qualifier. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You are in Christ. You are made righteous. You are justified in the heavenly realms. You are a child of God. 
if you are in Christ. Don't live with a crisis of identity. Know that God has something so much more for you. And, and I know that the flesh will pull us in, and, and try to pull us away from that identity and, and make us second guess it. I know the enemy will tempt you and, and want you to second guess who you are in Christ. But if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Can I get an amen? If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Today we will be partaking of communion. Um, you know, as, as we partake of communion, there's a lot of things that I want you guys to be thinking about. First is, are you in Christ? Like, if you're not, today is the day to make sure that you are. Today is the day to say, Lord, I believe and confess that you are my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died for my sins, that you were buried and three days later rose from the grave. Today can be the day that you find true freedom in the gospel. And today can be the day where you take communion and remember what he just did moments before when you when you made that profession of faith. And if, if that's to you today, you can come afterwards and talk to me about it. Nothing would give me more joy than knowing that you gave your life to Christ as Lord and Savior. you got to really meet Jesus. Like, you have to really know Him. If you're unsure, if you're like, I don't, I don't know, I kind of grew up Christian, but I, I, don't, I don't know. Today is the day to say, no, Jesus, I want to meet you. I want to give my life to you. I want to be with you for all of eternity. I want the new life. I want to be a new creation. Make me new. Today is the day. If you do that, you can partake of communion and talk to me afterwards. For those of you who, who you know for sure that you know Jesus, you know for sure that your identity is in him, but maybe you're struggling to forgive. Maybe you're struggling to to go and have the awkward conversation of asking for forgiveness. Today you need to do that. Maybe you've rebuilt some ruins. It's time to forget those things, neglect those things, repent and move forward. Maybe you're having an identity crisis and it's just hard to believe that you really can be new, that you really can be righteous. That's really true about you. Today, as you partake of communion, as you partake of the Lord's Supper, Today is the day to walk in that newness of life. Today is the day to move on. Who's ready to move on? Who's ready to move forward? Who wants more of Jesus? Who wants more relationship with Him? I'm not close enough to Jesus. You're not close enough to Jesus. We need more Jesus. We need more. We need to keep moving forward, keep moving onward. Jesus, in uh, Matthew 26, 26, he's, this is the night before he was crucified. He says, Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when they had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins.
we, we partake of the Lord's Supper, the, the cup and the bread, in remembrance of what he did on the cross for us. You need to remember what he accomplished there was enough for you to move on today. He died for your sins. And he rose again so that you could have new life, eternal life with him. As they're singing worship, you can come up and take the cup and take the bread and go to your seat. But I would, I would really challenge you, have a real moment with God. You're not sure if you've really met Jesus. You're not sure if he really is your Lord and Savior. There's a qualifier. It's if you're in Christ. You need to get right with him. You need to give your life to him completely, 100% today. If you make that decision, please talk to me. For the rest of you, if you're, you're struggling with something, if there's something you know, you're unwilling to forgive, if there's something you don't feel like you can move past, today is the day to ask Jesus to help you do it. Because he can and he will if you ask him. You wholeheartedly go to him. Say, Jesus, help me forgive this person. I, Jesus, I forgive this person. Jesus, help me go and have that hard conversation. Jesus, help me tear down those ruins I rebuilt. Help me move forward and forget them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your your child, your, your only begotten son, to die on a cross for the forgiveness of sins, Lord. That he also rose from the dead so that we would have newness and eternal life with you. Jesus, would you send your Holy Spirit right now as you promised that you would. To convict us of sin. To seal us for salvation. To move us forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you make that possible for every single person here today? Jesus' name we pray. If you need prayer, Ernesto and I will be standing over here during this time and you can come and pray.